What happened in the Celtics, Warriors, Raptors, and Cavaliers games on Sunday? Can the Timberwolves make it rain on the Rockets again? How did the Pelicans so thoroughly dominate the Trailblazers? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. I am joined by Dave Dufour. To begin this three-part segment of a podcast, glad to have you on, Dave. Let's break down the four games that played today. Okay, let's do that. Boston, Milwaukee, kind of crazy. It went down to the wire. Milwaukee somehow pulled it out. Thoughts? Uh, I thought they, they got a little sloppy in the second half. They had that big lead, and it just felt like not only were they sloppy, but a little bit lazy, and Boston was not. I mean, Jalen Brown... Might have been the best player on the court today. He was just fantastic. And uh, I thought that his effort and Boston's effort overall really made it what shouldn't have been a close game a close game. Um, Bledsoe was pretty bad today. I, I thought, I mean, they were much better with Della Vadova out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's now 2-2. And yeah. that doesn't mean it's anyone's anyone's series, though. Because, in um, like, historically, in a seven-game series in the NBA – when you're tied 2-2, the higher-seated team has won 79% of the series. Oh, is that right, huh? I mean, I bet yeah. you I, I bet you that must be the Game 5 is also the winner of 79% of the winning series. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah, it yeah. wouldn't shock me. Wow, because I, I would think that, you know what, Boston is a little bit in trouble. I mean, you know, they're getting production out of, out of um, Jalen Brown and out of um, Tatum in a, in a really nice way to see these young guys really just sort of not be phased by the pressure, but... Um, yeah, it's what's interesting, I think, also about this is that there really are no more blowouts when you have decent teams going at each other because uh, of the three ball. I mean, like we, yeah. we are seeing some blowouts. We did see a few in this in this playoff series, but it almost feels like back in the day where you would have seen uh, some teams panic like later in the third quarter, early four, take some bad threes, and all of a sudden the game's over. Just the whole thing shifts. Now they hang around, they hang around, and they, then they hit a three, they get fouled, whatever, and it changes the whole complexion of the game, which I guess is good, right? You know, it's more entertaining. It's fun. And, you know, we always say basketball is a game of runs, you know, when the offense starts clicking and the defense is going well and then the offense feeds off the defense and good defense creates good offense because you usually get transition opportunities off turnovers and things like that. So it makes sense that you can have these wild swings. Yeah. Uh, and then the Bledsoe thing, I mean, I think are, are we are you now seeing what I've been kind of saying for a long time about him or maybe you agree with me? I don't even know. Uh, yeah, I've agreed with you. I, I thought it was a short-term decision, and um, you know, I, I, I definitely think it was a little bit of a mistake. But um, I mean, I, he's just, I he's get just what not they were that going guy, right? Right, he's not. You know, I get what they were going for, but you know, I, I don't know if it was a good move. Yeah. So who knows if they can figure out some rotations and get some better play from that position with somebody else? Then who, you know, they could be one of those twenty percent that actually pulls it out. But we'll see. The next game on the docket was Golden State and San Antonio, and San Antonio won by 13 relatively easily. Again, it's just sort of a malaise of being up 3-0 and on the road and, you know, in the face of a hostile crowd. Well, it's Fiesta right now in San Antonio. Uh, So let's just say Fiesta is undefeated, (laughs) to my knowledge. Um, You know, I, I think it was a little bit of everything, right? Like a little bit of that, we're up 3-0 and we're not taking them seriously. Um, quite a bit of Spurs culture in this win. Uh, you know, they came out of the gate. They they were defending as hard as they always do. And you you kind of know what you're going to get from a Spurs team. And when you're that consistent with your effort, 
you know, you, you're going to beat teams better than you sometimes. And I think that was just one of those cases. And then LaMarcus was great. And uh, Manu Ginobili had an amazing fourth quarter. I mean, he was just just incredible. Right down to hitting uh, what could have been his final shot in San Antonio, uh, a wide-open three uh, with, like, I don't know, it was like 10 seconds left or something like that. But it was just, I mean, it was perfect. And, uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun to to watch, actually, to, to see, you know, how weak the Warriors can look when they don't have Steph Curry. Uh, that's exactly what I thought. I really feel like their offense is challenged. And I was looking at some numbers to try and see if there was any stats to back it up as far as even passing. And the passing is down in the playoffs uh, compared to what it was when he was playing with them. But then again, so is the pace is a little bit lower. So it's almost like that might be a wash. But there's just something about the way their offense moves now, which is a little bit like OKC-ish. Uh, yeah, more so than than it used to be. With exactly Durant what they look there. like. Yeah, and, and exactly. I suppose that's the point, right? You know, it's sort of like Durant's probably feeling that he has to do it, which is, by the way, exactly how they felt. But imagine the feeling that way in OKC when you also have Russ. So you're kind of feeling like, well, I got to do, I got to be the man, and Russ got to be the man, and that's what was. That's why the they always took turns. Yeah. That's why they were always taking turns. Yeah. And so now there's no turn taken necessarily, although you got Clay and Draymond's not going to really be that guy either. So uh, I, I kind of see the mindset, but um, they are, they're just so much of a better team anyway that they would benefit more from that beautiful ball movement yeah. and stuff. Uh, but again, this is over next game, right? Probably. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, who on that team, when, when Steph's not out there, how many guys scare you when they have the ball in the perimeter as a shooter? Uh, There's one. two, Clay and KD. That's oh, it. Yes, yes. That's I, I all the shooting off the dribble. Yes, yes. You know, and off the dribble, one. Right. I mean, Nick Young might get hot for for like a quarter, but he's not a legitimate threat. And he's not uh, playing even that much, right? Right. Uh, you know, uh, Quinn Cook can shoot, uh, catch and shoot at least, and he's yeah. okay off the dribble, but he doesn't scare you in the same way as no. you know Steph Curry. Yeah, Iggy's so, looked very spry. Yes. And yeah, he so, takes his whole he takes his whole season now. Uh, like it's really smart. Uh, you know, you spend the the whole regular season saying, "Oh man, I think Andre Iguodala might be washed finally," and then he comes out in the playoffs and he's like, "Oh yeah, no, I've just yeah. been hanging." The classic, just you know, take your time and you know get get healthy and hang out and chill. And then he looks yeah much more bouncy than anybody else. He's got he's smiling out there. It's hilarious. Everyone yeah. else is beat up and nicked and and so all sorts of stuff. So uh, yeah, I would think this is over in Golden State uh, in Oakland the next game. Uh, and we'll have to see how that plays out. Let's go on to the next uh, series, Toronto and Washington, a spirited game. And Washington is somehow back in this series. It kind of felt like they didn't like each other, and it wasn't working really well. The Raptors were up 2-0. I don't know, man. I've got a sort of a bad feeling about this. Uh, and by the way, Washington wins with Bradley Beal fouling out. Um, on a on a garbage 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 yeah, foul it was, call. It was. A t- I mean, you know, there was contact, and the guy fell, and it was down low on the body. And I don't know what are you going to do. If it was anything, it should have been an offensive foul. Bradley Beal was standing there with his arms in the air for about three seconds before uh, uh, was it DeRozan? I don't even ran know. into him. I, yeah, I was, I it was, was it was a. To me, it was a play on. You know, you let it go. I mean, the um, problem is it, the guy fell and probably traveled or what. He shouldn't lose the ball on that either. So it's yeah. it was rough. I mean, listen, there's no way to win. And hey, they won. So at least at least there was some redemption on that uh, anyway. But um, sure. but uh, but we can't normalize that kind of bad call. Okay, <laughs> just because they won, it was a, it was a bad. It was I don't a bad. know. I I don't know how bad. I mean, you, you, there was contact, right? I mean, and, and there was a little hippie in there. So uh, I I think he was. I think he was pretty clean. 
Oh, well, listen, I think that's a decision whether he wants to play on. But, like, I don't think you can say that, like, in other circumstances, that wouldn't be a foul. I mean, again, you know, again, they swallowed the, the sixth foul. Referees are calling because the guy fell. That That's that's the foul that they call, right? It's sort of like like the block charge, right? It's going one way or the other. You know, if, if a guy hits the ground, they're calling something, even on stuff that probably just shouldn't get right. called. But even more important, what you said but in the past is that if you you only get in the offensive foul if you fall. Like, you're not getting it any other right. way. So, uh, all right, fair enough. They, they got in there, and uh, but it ended up working out okay for, for Washington, which is also kind of a bad omen now for the Raptors because they, they should have been able to take control of that game and win going away without Bradley Beal out there, and they didn't. Uh, and it was a sort of an ISO fest down the stretch. Um, you know, that was exactly what I was going to say, yeah. It, they've, what, they've reverted back to their old habits. And you know what's going to be amazing is what's going to happen. Let's just say that Toronto doesn't win this series now. What's the first thing that's going to happen the day after the season's over? I don't I don't know. There's I, there's no way Casey's getting fired. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to get to double digits, right? We're talking about stats now and um they, I, they we're, we're going to have 10 coaches uh, uh hired this year at least. I, it looks I like. think stats is safer than Neil O'Shea. You mean than Dwayne Casey? Oh, you no, mean no, no. Neil O'Shea? I'm saying oh, in Portland. I think, wow. Terry Stotts, I think Terry Stotts did a very good job this year with what is a severely flawed roster. You know, that's not a roster that's that's built for for the modern NBA. Yeah, and he made the most of it all season. Now you could you can also say he just got swept out of the playoffs, but he got swept out of the playoffs by Anthony Davis. You know, um, yeah, and Drew Holiday playing. Like he stuck his finger in a socket and uh, and and playoff Rondo. We're doing a video on playoff Rondo for tomorrow. Good. That's going to be a good video. Yeah, yeah. And it's like we don't have to even mention AD because all the assists are just going to be to AD anyway. So just you'll get like by osmosis, you'll get the sense that AD has been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Although it turns out of the forty, no, to get, together, uh, Drew Holiday and and uh, AD have hit like ninety four field goals in the series. And Rondo's assisted on like 31 of them. So it's like 30, 31% of their uh, shots are all from Rondo passes, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. I, he's, been, he's been insane. Uh, but, but so back to the Toronto. Um, I, I do think it is problematic that they've reverted back to their, you know, to their old ways. And, you know, they, they, paid, they paid the price for it. They're missing Fred Van Vliet. They are. Um, I think. And, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. I don't even want to think about what would happen if they lose this series. Yeah, it would be devastating because this is this is the year, and at the very least, get out of the freaking first round and don't be up too love and 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 lose it. But I'm, yeah, it's it's interesting, and uh, Washington might kind of start liking each other now that they've won a couple of games, and that could change a lot of stuff because you know John Wall is a bad man. He he made some, some dunks tonight that were you know statements um, um, on top of statements uh, of a lot of stuff, and then Beal was, was also just another sick individual. Yeah. So, we just watched the Cavaliers and the Pacers game. Um, I got to tell you, like, listen, I like the underdog. I cheer for the underdog. Uh, LeBron is never the underdog. So, I find myself sort of rooting for that. I want to see Rudy. And um, it was kind of hard to believe. They had a three-point lead with about four and a half minutes to go, whatever that was, at home. Kind of needed to play it out. They were still doubling uh, Oladipo, who wasn't shooting well. But they were still getting, like, good shots and good looks to some degree. Um, and then it fell apart. Yeah, they got a little tight. And, and you know, again, man, they, they went to a little bit more isolation. 
They and and I think Sabonis should have maybe stayed in the game. They they were actually very successful with Sabonis and Thad Young out there. I thought that that look in particular was really bugging uh, Cleveland on both ends of the court. And um, you know, going back to Miles Turner, I understand like Miles Turner in a in a vacuum is a better player than Sabonis, but I, I just think what Sabonis was doing, especially in that fourth quarter defensively, was really important and what they needed. Um, but the biggest problem is that they just weren't scoring at the end of the game, and, and it was because of all the isolation. They weren't they weren't playing the, their brand of basketball that got them to the point where they actually had a chance to to go up three one in this series. Um, and, and you know that's going to happen, and they're a young team. But Indiana has been one of my favorite teams to watch all season long. They're a lot of fun. Tonight was actually a really great example of it. And they're not fun like the Warriors are fun, where they're really going, where it's just like they're just pounding teams. Indiana's fun if you you know, and as coaches, we're kind of nerds about this kind of stuff. But like when I'm watching them play defense, and they're you know, <laughs> there's all that help and communication, and they're hounding the ball, and they're switching and doing all this stuff. And then they'll get a turnover and they get out and run and they're hitting the guy on the break. And it's just fun basketball. And and like you like you said before, they're the underdog. Yeah. You know, Victor Oladipo is their best player. And is Victor Oladipo a top 20 player? He Let might say be. This. Here's the thing. Cause he, he didn't shoot well. and I don't think he's shooting well for the series. But he is making moves. You know that either that, that might open up a, a, a tip dunk for a teammate. He is blowing by whenever he wants to. He blows by whoever is guarding him one on one. Like they Including cannot LeBron. guard him one on one, and that's Including exciting. LeBron. What's yeah. that? Including LeBron. Including LeBron, and that's exciting because here's a kid who like didn't have that kind of confidence until this year, and he probably didn't even have that kind of confidence until like now. All of a sudden, even in the regular season, he was doing it. But like this is like back you up. I'm just going to go right by you, pull up for a three. It's really like that's what's so great as far as that story goes because of where he's come from. And now you know, I tweeted earlier tonight. Like I, I'm old enough to remember when people questioned whether he deserved that 21 million dollar contract. Uh, you know, here's a guy who is a legit go-to playoff performer and um and you know they they just about had it like they they were still doubling him and it's just it's a nightmare scenario for the Cavs either way but uh the freaking Pacers are just not attacking it as well as they could and it's going to fall on McMillan to figure out how to do it better now they did follow what I had shown in the video what I did on this where they started screening with uh Collison because if the first pass goes to Collison off of a double team on um, Oladipo, then you have something. Whereas before, they were throwing it to like Miles Turner, and they were throwing it to even um, Sabonis, who was doing better today, but they were throwing it to him way out in the perimeter, and that was too far for him to do much. Uh, that was working okay, but then, yeah, they just kind of get stuck. They throw it to the corner too often, and then they get stuck there, the clock running down. Frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean... Cleveland, they got lucky. They, I, I just, I can't help but just feel that they got lucky tonight. How tired did LeBron look? Exhausted. I mean, he played forty six minutes. Yeah, he got the ball taken away from him by Lance, <laughs> and it was like, whoa. And so did Kevin Love. By How the about, way, How about Kevin Love? Man, was just downright looked unplayable tonight. Thad yeah. Young has owned that matchup uh, at both ends of the court, and just has made him look like a little kid. Uh, when when Thad is defending him, I mean it, Thad ripped a ball away from him, and I just thought, okay, well Kevin Love just needs to retire. Uh, it was it <laughs> right. was bad, and right. I, you know I can't help but think he, that that thumb is bothering him. Oh, for sure. I've never seen him lose a ball like that. 
I've never seen him look that out of it when the ball was in his hands. He lost the ball a couple times tonight. So I, I'm thinking that thumb is really bothering him. So, you know, I mean, I don't want to sit and make excuses for the man because he doesn't need them. But the, the truth is, I thought they should have sat him, especially down the stretch. Yeah, I agree. And uh, it's going to be interesting to think that game five is going to be pivotal and we'll see what happens there. But there's no question that Indiana has, has had better, longer stretches of good basketball. And the Cavaliers are kind of hanging on by the seat of their pants here, just sort of like making just enough plays. How about that that uh, bomb by J.R. Smith in the first half from 80 feet? Like, that doesn't go in, and that this the game is completely different too. In theory, uh, they also missed the travel. Uh, they had this rolling around thing at the very end, which is probably too little, too late at that point. With uh, Lance getting a, trying to get a jump ball, uh, I could see why the foul was called there versus the jump ball before that or after that. But you know, Jeff Green slides his pivot foot. Um, you know, people wanted to argue that the referees just can't see all of that happening in real time with all the you know knowing they want to foul. I don't know. Uh, you know that that was pretty. It seemed pretty crucial. They, they should see that one. Yeah, yeah. It. it I don't know, man. But it's tied up two two, and this. <laughs> I don't know. I have no confidence in in Cleveland. Um, I think Ty Lue's done some some weird stuff. He doesn't have a rotation at all. Yeah. Uh, Tristan Thompson to me was very effective tonight. I think he only played seven minutes for the whole game, but he was effective when he was out there. For for me. If Kevin Love's giving you nothing on offense, which he he did tonight, you might as well have Tristan Thompson out there because at least he's going to set screens and he's going to keep Sabonis and Thad Young off the glass, at least to a certain extent. And Kevin Love wasn't doing any of that. Meanwhile, Tristan Thompson's just sitting on the bench. And, and I, I think that was a huge mistake. Um, they got, I think they got lucky. They dodged a bullet. And they may very well wind up winning this series because they won tonight. Um, but... Yeah, I have no confidence in them going forward. I mean, when they play, the Pacers have played a little bit above themselves, right? A little bit out of their mind, you know, and and above what they are as a team. I don't think Cleveland's that much better than them. Right. They they just have LeBron. Right. And that's the difference, right? Yeah. Awesome stuff. Thank you, Dave, for coming on. We got two more guests to come up here in our next couple segments. So stay tuned, sports fans. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you're listening to this and feeling a bit old and out of touch with this young generation of ball players, you might be in the age range where we commonly see sexual performance issues. Did you know that 40% of men by age 40 struggle from those dreaded two letters, ED? You know what they stand for. And now there's real science to turn your fortune completely around. 4hims.com is your solution. A complete one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. They have well-known generic equivalents to the name brand prescriptions to help you combat ED. In fact, one pill, starting with a V, just came off its patent recently. A real game changer. So avoid those embarrassing doctor's visits with all the invasive questions. Instead, get erectile without the dysfunction. Go to 4hims.com slash coachnickED and get hymns for a month for just $5 while supplies last. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So don't wait. That's 4hims, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash Coach Nick E-D. See website for full details and get back on the path to sexual performance. So now we turn to Jerry Zagoda, who is the Star Tribune beat writer for the Timberwolves. And Jerry, I think you might be a little bit happier today than you were the day before. 
Well, uh, when you do this job, it really doesn't matter, although it is, it is refreshing that, uh, one, there was a playoff game at Target Center for the first time since 2004, and uh, that they actually sent people home happy, which it's always nice to see people with, uh, with smiling faces, and uh, it was weird to kind of feel a playoff game in here, and you know, they put uh, white towels on all 18,000 seats, and people were waving them, and there was sort of an intensity, and uh, it, was, it was fun. So, uh, let's see, I, I take it you were there the last time they had a playoff game. Was it the same kind of atmosphere, or was it even more intense because of the weight? Well, you know, that was the Western Conference Final, so that was different. <laughs> that was Garnett and Sprewell and Cassell against Shaq and Kobe. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not even sure. I, 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 think, I, I think I was there, but it was so long ago, I don't even really remember that game. I just remember those series. I was back when they beat Denver, and then they had a seven-gamer with Sacramento with a great seventh game, and then they went and played uh, – the Lakers might have even beaten them if Cassell hadn't gotten hurt. But yeah, that was it's amazing to think how long ago it was. You know that some of these guys on this team were you know in grade school back then. And not only that, but like the style of play is so different now that it doesn't probably even resemble what they were doing back then. Uh, what do you think the key was in Game Three for them to, to get back in the series? And by the way, are they back in the series or is that a mirage? Well, we'll find out tomorrow night. At least, at least it's it's you know at least it's interesting and there's some intrigue to it. I mean, if they've gone down three nothing, you know they might have won game four, but so what? You know, probably, they're not, history tells you you're not going to come back and and uh, win four games. And I think the, the difference last night maybe wasn't so much X's and O's. It was just like D'Antoni just before the Rockets practice this morning was saying, you know, we just didn't match. They were desperate. It's human nature. You know, they had to win. People were. Fans were fired up, and that they didn't match the uh, the same sort of intensity and desperation that the Wolves had. That uh, you know they were up for a while, and then uh, the Wolves just put together end of the third, beginning of the fourth, just kind of uh, put them away. And um, which is a little bit surprising because they've played seven times now this season. If you include the regular season, that was the first time they've beaten them. And uh, uh, the first couple games, you know, the three uh, the three point disparity was just incredible. I think it was like twenty two six one game, and. Uh, Another one was really lopsided, but in, in the playoffs here, we get a chance to adjust. You know, they've been actually competitive. The math hasn't worked against them so much. Uh, one game on last night, they were 15. They, they made 15. Uh, Rockets made 15. I think they took 14 fewer than the Rockets. And I think in the first game, they only made uh, or only had uh, few uh, uh, two fewer uh, makes than uh, than Houston. So that sort of has evened out and. Uh, uh, if that continues, at least puts them on a uh, you know a competitive playing field with the Rockets a little bit. So does that feel like that's one of the biggest keys for you right now is the three point disparity or non disparity for keeping them in the games? Well, if you want, you know anyone who watched the the, the regular season because it was just every time they played in the regular season, you just say, man, this is the worst matchup they could get in the playoffs just because of the simple math. Three is worth more than two. Mm-hmm. Rockets, you know, I didn't even realize it until after game two, but they shot fifty one or fifty two in game two of the NBA record. You know, they do it so frequently, you just forget. You know, they're they're in kind of this record breaking territory, and the Wolves aren't built that way. You know, they're built around. Their best three-point shooter might be Towns, you know, Butler, Wiggins. They're not natural three-point shooters. And uh, every time they play the Rockets, at least in the regular season, you just said, hey, they can't keep up with them just because of, like I said, the, the simple math. And uh, if they're going to do it in the playoffs, you know, maybe, maybe um, you know, the familiarity and the nature of a seven-game series changes that a little bit where they get a little bit better. And although PGA Tucker before practice today just said, you know, it's not them, it's us, we're just not making shots. But, but they're, they're still taking them. 
<laughs> they are. Well, let's move on. I did a video uh, about Carl Anthony Towns, and I and we had seen uh, how they were shutting him down by being really physical with him, uh, and really maybe you know looking like he was shying away from that contact. Did you? He, he played better. You know, he definitely did better. He had 18 points and he got 16 rebounds. Do you feel like he handled that physicality better and was able to get through it? Yeah, I think I think you know maybe the home court helped, but he was a little more active and he did get on the move a little bit more. They wanted him to move. He was trying to you know get. He wasn't just kind of you know getting the ball and just getting stuck with it. Uh, he was trying to you know because when he's at his best, he's he's you know playing both inside and out, and out working his way to the perimeter, faking that uh, that three or even a, a long two, and then uh, getting his guy up in the air and you know getting down and. You know, I always remember him just, you know, coming down the lane and slamming it. He'd have those, you know, a couple times a game, and he didn't have anything like that the first two games. And he didn't have one exactly like that last night, but he was more active. He was getting around the rim. He was, you know, on the run, trying to – that little hook of his. And, uh, you know, they want him to move more, and they want him to run the floor harder. It's a little bit it's a little bit difficult when you're running against a guy like Clint Capella, who runs so well. But uh, uh, he certainly played with more movement and more energy than – than he did when he just didn't look like he knew what to do when they were, you know, they were, were switching everything. They had the smaller guy, but then they sent a big guy too after him, and uh, um, he just couldn't figure it out. And, and you know, he's 22 years old. This is his first playoff series. He's not used to this sort of intensity, and it's natural. I think that it probably takes him a while to figure it out. We'll see if in game four, if he's progressing towards doing that. Um, while you've been in the scrums and interviewing stuff, have you heard him? Has he expressed this feeling of being a like a, a playoff rookie and and not really knowing what to expect, or is he just trying to give you the to, the total the line? Oh, it's nothing different. I can handle it. That kind of thing. No, not really. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't say you know yeah it's 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 bewildering him, but he says it is completely different than, than the than the regular season. He will he will admit that much and. Uh, um, you know, you ask him, you know, is he getting frustrated? He goes, there's no time in this to get frustrated. So, uh, um, you know, he's, he says the right things. And, uh, you know, the the, uh, the Rockets were very intent the first couple games. Of, you know, they got two All-Stars, take both of them away. And uh, Butler just, a lot of times I think, uh, you know, he, he's expending a lot of energy trying to guard Harden on the one end, but he thinks so much of himself as a defensive player. I think sometimes he kind of, uh, maybe thinks it's noble to defer offensively, and he knew they were in a situation last night they had to win, and, and mm-hmm. Butler sure came out aggressive, and uh, he had the 28 points, but from the very beginning, you could tell it wasn't just going to be the one end. He was going to defend Harden and, and kind of lead his team on the other, and uh, I think by doing that, you know, he got going early, and then, you know, Towns was just really patient. I don't think he took a shot in the first quarter, didn't do a whole lot in the first half, and then just kind of waited, for, you know, the classic, you know, wait for the, the game to come to me, and it started to do, uh, you know, more after halftime, and they had a stretcher there. I remember what the number was, but to end the third quarter and begin the fourth, it was very lopsided. They, they went on a, a big run, which is telling because this team hasn't really finished quarters well. They didn't finish halftime, going into halftime well at all, and then the third quarter they did, and that, that sure helps a lot. It, it sure does. And you know what really helped a lot uh, was production from a player they probably weren't expecting uh, as much as they did, which is Jeff Teague. And I tweeted it out in, after the first couple of games that I, I kind of felt like Jeff Teague holds them back. He's the guy who um, – and I'm hoping maybe you can, you can change my mind on this where – I don't know. He just seems like the kind of guy who would be a you know a good backup point guard on a really good team. But when you got to rely on him as a starter, um, it's just not going to get you where you want to go. Ultimately, where it seems like you know the conference finals or beyond. 
Um, what what do you make of his game? Uh, you know, a huge game. He was blown by uh, Chris Paul. He was hitting threes. Um, you know, is that an anomaly, or or, or is this the kind of thing where uh, I, I shouldn't feel as negatively as I do? Well, your opinion is opposite of the Tibbs. So, uh, okay. you know, that's one of the reasons they <laughs> traded Rubio and uh, and got Teague because he thought he was built for the playoffs, you know, and uh, maybe wow. that's who Teague has been around. But, you know, Tibbs always cites the fact that, you know, he's been in the playoffs every year. He's gone deep. He's never been to a finals, but he's got to the Eastern Conference once. Now, granted, that was with an Atlanta team that also had Paul Millsap and was pr- pretty talented. But uh, I think that's the reason he went. And, and it's funny because I think, you know, he never publicly said it, but I think one of the reasons Tibbs – ended up creating Rubio way was you just didn't think you could win with a guy who couldn't, you know, you didn't have to defend at the end of games. And now Ricky eight years in the league or whatever it is, is proving everybody wrong by doing it in Utah. But I think, you know, that's why he went and basically swapped uh, Teague for, for Rubio was for the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he said, you, you tell there's sort of a difference of opinion in the way they play. Cause he said this a couple of times and he said it again on Friday, but just said, Teague said, uh, you know, we need to play uh, faster. We need to play, you know, with more freely um and we haven't been doing that and uh he, he helped them do that a little bit last night and i mean he does what uh, tibbs wants his point guard to do you know he's a good pick and roll player break down the defense kick the ball even though they don't have great natural shooters that's what he wants them to do and he was really good last night and now we'll see if he can do it again uh, in game four uh, yes, I, I think that that's the challenge that CP3 is going to you know, assign to himself, and we'll find out if he'll let that happen again. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, that, fair enough. I, I'm, I'm now, uh, I raised my eyebrow. Heck, Drew Holiday completely changed my opinion of his game in this last series, and so uh, I'm looking forward to Teague doing more of that. And certainly, uh, I, I feel like people who might agree with me on that side are people who live in Atlanta or, or in Indiana who might have been frustrated for those years, but uh, it's a great, great chance for him. And we've seen, I guess, the other point is that we've seen Tibbs be able to develop point guards and get a lot of great production out of those that position I guess it depends what your standards are you know if you're in Atlanta and you want to go to the finals or something but uh, for the Wolves to get to the playoffs and uh, you know be in a competitive series uh, for for Wolves fans they'll, they'll take that to start with you know okay to, to begin with because because it, it hasn't happened for, for so damn long uh, great point, great point. So, well, you know, we'll, we'll all enjoy this, and we'll see if they can make it more of a series going into it. And, Jerry, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I'm glad you had me. Thank you. <laughs> you got it. Thanks. And now let's bring on Mason Ginsburg, who covers the New Orleans Pelicans for the Bourbon Street Shots website. Uh, Mason, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Cool. Well, you know, we just finished, uh, you know, what was, I think most people would consider a surprising sweep uh, of the uh, Portland Trailblazers by the Pelicans. What happened? How did this happen? Did anybody think this was going to happen? Uh, I mean, we had players, or we had writers, I should say, for our site that, that thought Pelicans could win this series, but I don't think, no one saw a sweep coming. Let's just be clear about that. This was, this is pretty shocking. And, um, you know, it, it before the series, I would have called it a coin flip, um, you know, but the, the, they were separated by one game in the standings. Uh, the Pelicans have had the best player in the series. And so, uh, you know, you, you could have gone either way. But again, uh, this was this was pretty, pretty crazy. And uh, credit to the to the coaching staff for uh, developing a game plan that really that really worked like a charm. Um, even the, this last game yesterday where the Blazers clearly played well offensively. Uh, they were still able to keep the, their best player, Damian Lillard, out of his element. And, you know, CJ got his. And, um, you know, Aminu shot very well from the three-point line. But um, very, very well planned for. And, and you really can't say enough about 
to the series Drew Holiday had on, on both ends of the floor. For sure. I, this is my chance, I guess, to try and explain why everyone was freaking out about my video uh, on how they were defending Damian Lillard. Um, because from a coaching perspective, you know, when you went through the footage and you saw how many, like, you know, what you would classify as good shots out of this, you know, doubling of Lillard on the pick and roll, you know, at my whole point, and I think I was in a hurry, and I just sort of, I don't know, there was definitely a a, a tone that I'm not even happy with now, uh, like that was dismissive, but, you know, as a coach from Terry Stotts' standpoint, you ha- you'd have to just shrug and be like, you know what, we're those are good shots, we're going to have to, that's what we should be getting from them, and they just couldn't hit them. I guess the anger I, I experienced from that was interesting because everybody on that side is like, well, of course we want Nurkis to shoot point-blank shots at the rim, and of course we want, to sh- we want uh, Amino to shoot wide open shots um what were your thoughts on that um i i think the, the game plan was was excellent obviously i, I mean you're gonna have guys that, i mean I, I just kind of looked at the numbers before before i came on and i looked at it yesterday and then again today about you know ignoring context of shot quality and, and how open players were just looked at how well they they sh- the, the blazer shot from three-point range relative to what you'd expect so and i took the last three years of, of three-point data one year's too too variable so i took three years because guys improve, so Amino's a great example. You don't want to take his career numbers because he's a better shooter than he was in the first part of his career. Mm-hmm. And so they, they made they made about three last three-pointers over the course of the series than you would expect. And I mean, I realize Amino yeah, and Evan Turner, those guys were wide open for the entire series because that was the game plan. But Amino is pretty often shooting when he's wide open. So that's, I mean, it was a little more exacerbated with this series, but it's, it, it is what it, you know, teams are going to live with that pretty frequently when you're playing against guys like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. And I do also agree that Nurkic missed a few bunnies throughout the series at, at the rim. But, I mean, you, you've got some pretty pretty versatile uh, interior defenders in Anthony Davis and, and Nico Miritich, who, you know, his his play on defensive series, I think, blew a lot of people away. And I think I think it's, that was less of a, uh, a, a, a drastic improvement in his part than people starting to realize that he can he can play defense. He's not a bad defender, um, and so 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 while there were some misses, uh, you know, of shots that some some players maybe typically make. I mean, Aminu shot well above his expectation for the series, and Lillard shot well below his expectation for the series, and that's just you know that's small sample sizes that kind of thing will happen. But I think overall the, the defensive game plan worked as intended. Yeah, and I, I lament the fact that I didn't give enough credit to someone like Drew Holiday on the defensive end, although I did mention it in the first video I did on them, which was, uh, I, I mean, it's kind of startling to me. I guess I hadn't paid enough attention or close attention to the Pelicans this year because all the people on Twitter were yelling at me that, of course, this is how Drew Holiday's been all year. Uh, <laughs> it's a revelation to me on both ends of the floor. You know, we all know Anthony Davis is the best player on the floor, but um, I, I think that Drew had a, an argument in this series. Yeah, he was he was that that was what won the Pelicans series. That he was the second best player on the floor. I mean, you, I mean, Damian Lillard was a borderline top five MVP candidate, and Holiday thoroughly outplayed him. And no one, I don't even think any, even the most optimistic Pelicans fan would not have expected that to happen and happen so drastically. And so. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's he's been fantastic all season long. He's he's uh, uh, spent the most time. I think I saw that. Uh, I can't remember where I saw the stat, but he's spent the most time in the league guarding the opponent's best player. And to have the success that he had this season on defense while having that burden, mostly because Solomon Hill was injured for most of the season. So each one more was the starting three. And he's he's a good defender, but not against guys who are going to be four, four inches taller than him. And Drew took on those assignments and he was he was really excellent. And um one other point that I've made throughout the year that, well, not throughout the year, but I made it in the playoffs that I hadn't really given a lot of thought to was 
you, know, you can say whatever you want about how Rajon Rondo isn't isn't a great NBA player anymore, but the fact that he was the Pelicans' point guard and relieved some of that burden off of Drew, I think that that, as much as anything, really helped him have the year that he had on the defensive end of the floor. Because um, it's it's a it's a tough task to go to do as much as he had, would have been asked to do as you know the team's primary ball handler, distributor, um, offense creator, as well as defending the other team's best player. So I mean, I just think the Pelicans were um, very uh, had some nice foresight in what they uh, what their plan was this year. For sure. I mean, I, I think I would argue that it allows Drew Holiday to play his his best position, which is, you know, combo guard slash shooting guard more. It just feels like that was working. By the way, he still averaged over six assists per game in this playoff series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you throw in Rondo is 13.3 per game. And it's, it's a lot of good passing, a lot of setting up teammates uh, and making it really hard. Then again, a lot of those passes, I, I joked yesterday that uh, the Blazers game plan of making Anthony Davis into a dunker was really working well. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think he must have broken the record for alley-oops in a series, don't you think? It's, it is fun. Like every, the Pelicans do kind of make you pull your hair out on the, on the number of full-court passes they try sometimes. It's just unnecessary, and it, it either turns into most of the time is either a turnover or risks injury for AD. But <laughs> man, the, in the in the half court, yeah, they are in transition. They've really perfected. You know, once once you, you if you can at least make it a half court pass instead of a full court pass, they've they've done a great job in getting AD into positions where he can score easily. And I mean, the Blazers just don't really have anyone who can who can defend the play like that. And Falcons took advantage. Yeah, I mean, I remember like, there's one in my mind where Aminu is, is on him and he's, you know, he's near the low, plo- low post. And I think uh, Rondo just throws it from half court as up at the air and he just spins and then dunks it. And, you know, some of these passes are not even good. Like, they're not even close. <laughs> yep. And uh, he's like reverse dunking alley-oops. I, you know, I, I might just do a video on all of his alley-oops because yeah, there had to have been seven or eight, I would think. Uh, maybe more. Maybe like each game there was a few. So... Uh, I, I just think it's a really interesting thing, which we now have to pivot towards looking, you know, towards the Warriors. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to picture, you know, can Drew Holiday go for 27 points a game and shoot 50, whatever, 5% against Clay? Like, I don't I don't know how that works. Uh, we don't know if Steph's going to come back. And then in my, I can't even picture in my mind's eye what KD and the AD matchup looks like. Can you fill us in on the regular season how that worked? Yeah, um, so let's be clear. As good of a matchup as the Blazers are for the Pelicans, that's how bad of a matchup the Warriors are. Because you know the one thing that's gonna that Pelicans will struggle against is big wings because they don't have that. If Solomon Hill had a full healthy season under his belt, I would I would count on him to be a at least a competent defender against Durant. He would not he wouldn't stop him, of course, but he would be good enough to to hold his own and give the Pelicans maybe some sort of fighting chance. But uh, I mean, the, the Pelicans lost the first three games of the series against the Warriors this year. They, they were usually good to hang pretty close for a half or three quarters. And then, I mean, in crunch time, they just fell apart. Um, and the fourth game of the season was one of the key wins that got them in position to get the, the sixth seed instead of the eighth seed. Where they, they went on, you know, obviously without Steph, but, you know, they went on the road to to Golden State on a Saturday night and, and got the, got a key victory. And clearly, you know, Golden State, do they have anything to play for at that point? No, they're, they're locked into the two seed. But they were, you know, play uh, uh, KD, Raymond, they all played 30, 35 minutes, and so it was a, it was a huge win. Um, that being said, yeah, it's going to be very tough for the for the Pelicans to match up with this team with or without Curry in a seven game series. And then who was guarding AD most? Would you remember if it was Draymond or KD? It's, it's usually Draymond. Um, I, I imagine over the course of the series, he'll get a bunch of different looks to you know to keep him 
keep him honest and, and try to you know do whatever they can to slow him down. But um, but it, that's I guess it depends who they who they go with in their starting five. I wonder if they'll if they'll go with JaVale again. Um, seems like that could be a decent matchup, but um, we'll see. Yeah, I would anticipate JaVale maybe starting and then going from there. And then, you know, we're going to see some small ball. I mean, this is going to be the future of the NBA with, uh, you know, guys like Anthony Davis at center and Draymond at center. And uh, it, it will it should be interesting. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I would suspect that the Warriors will still have enough. But you'll have to come back on and, uh, and, and fill us in on what's going on in that series. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, obviously you get to figure out how to how to play uh, or who to play best against them. Obviously, you maybe you like Solomon Hill's defense, but minutes with him and Rondo have just been terrible for the Pelicans because it's just not enough shooting, not enough offense creation. Um, but uh, but we'll, we'll we'll see how it plays out. I'm curious to see how the Pelicans decide to defend them. For sure, for sure. Well, you know, thank you so much for coming on, Mason. And also, you'll have to come back on again later to talk about the boogie situation because that's interesting too. It is. Uh, sure, and I appreciate, appreciate you having me. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You win. You win.